a podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. This is Mana. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Mana, a podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. I'm your host, Jeff Peterson. Now, none of the guys that you're going to meet on this podcast would consider themselves to be extraordinary, but it's their humble, holy way of living. That is exactly what makes them extra to me, and I am very excited for you to meet them. Uh, Now, today's guest uh, brings to mind many admirable words, Um, but the word that I'm going to focus on in this introduction is the word honor. Okay, now we've had several men of honor on this humble little show over the last five seasons, um, but I've typically used that term in reference as like a type of character, uh, um, like a noun uh, or a descriptor uh, of the character, like an adjective, and even sometimes like an adverb, um, you know, kind of using the word uh, like, uh, like, you know, uh, he served with honor. You know, we've had some folks, um, you know, from the military that have been on the show. But today, uh, I want to use the word honor uh, as a verb, okay? Because our guest today is someone who throughout the course of uh, not my whole life, but a good chunk of my adult life, has embodied the act of honoring. Um, yes, you know, honoring his awesome wife and his three awesome kids, honoring his parents, his friends, his faith, but also honoring the even deeper principles behind those words of honoring marriage, honoring family, honoring friendship, honoring God. Um, and while he really is a ton of fun, he's a man of deep principle. Uh, a man of whom I think uh, Henry David Thoreau uh, had in mind when he wrote my favorite quote, I think one of my favorite quotes of all time, when, Henry, uh, when, when Thoreau wrote, action from principle, the perception and the performance of right changes things and relations. It is essentially revolutionary. It divides the individual, separating the diabolical in him from the divine. Ah, oh, he knows, our guest today knows what's right and he does what's right. Uh, And I think the only time he's ever strayed from the righteous path was his uh, undergraduate college uh, of of choice uh, at the University of Wisconsin. But even then, he still today honors that questionable choice uh, with a steadfastness that is part and parcel to his blessed self. He's super smart, super successful, creative, and a marketing compadre of mine to boot um, with, uh, like I said, a lot of great family and friendship fodder for us to dig into. So let's welcome today's man of man, Mr. Mark Sullivan. Mark, welcome to Mana. Wow. That is quite the introduction, and I think I've already got you down for my eulogy. <laughs> so. That is the, uh, that's, well, I'm, I'll, I'll, uh, I'm going to die first, so well, you can do mine first. And great. Then, uh, I'll just evoke mine. Just write so. whatever you want me to say. Exactly, right, right, right. So um, so the scene we're going to start with is this. Now, we're going we're gonna to have time. We're going to get into your childhood and blah, 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 blah. blah. But I'm actually going to, um, for, for Mana listeners, uh, you know, Mark and I are dear friends, um, but we were really close a while back with family and, and, and what everything kind of lined up kind of stage-wise. And then we kind of, like everybody, you know, kind of drift apart a little bit, do the Christmas card thing. Um, but one of our last, one of our more recent reconnections was a couple of years ago. I'm at, I'm at uh, 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 not Good Friday Mass, but it's during Lent, and I'm at Stations of the Cross. So I end up at this church uh, and Stations of the Cross with another really good friend of mine, Steve Killen, who's been on the show as well. And so we're sitting there getting ready for Stations of the Cross, and I look across the church, and who do I see 
but not just Mark Sullivan, but Mark Sullivan and his wife uh, uh, working the Stations of Christ. Like you were like helpers, you were like altar servers or something like that, but there wasn't an altar, but whatever it was, you were in the robes, you were carrying the important looking staffs or whatever. And what was so great about that, it was a great way to be re uh, sort of um, reminded and, and sort of reintroduced to my dear friend and his wife because, and I, and I thought, even though you weren't technically an empty nester yet, but I thought, okay, that's what empty nesting looks like. <laughs> that is it right there. But it, but it was together. And that's kind of where I want to start. I want to start with, obviously, you're a man of very deep faith, but, but what's so cool about, about your sort of like brand of faith is that it, you, uh, you've done it together. It's been part of your marriage. Um, and so uh, let's, that, I, I want to start there and then we'll go a little bit further back. But how did the whole faith thing come together with you and your wife? And was that part of the actual courtship? I mean, actually, I think I met your wife before you because she was singing. She was a cantor at church. Um, so how, let's start there and then we'll go backwards. Yeah, first of all, it is something that we love to do together. And I do think it it is good for us individually to kind of express and, you know, be in our faith. But I do, as you said, feel this really strong connection when we get to do it together. And I remember uh, when I first moved to Minneapolis, you know, I was church shopping. And as it turned out, my wife and I did work at the same company where we met for the third time in our lives, you know, and she invited me to uh, the church that she sang at at the time uh, in downtown Minneapolis. And I remember being there, and it was the immediate time where I, I, I say to, to, to her to this day, it's when I fell in love with you. Mm. And some of it was because of the environment. You know, you're very sacramental, you're in the midst of your faith, but I was there alone and I was taking it all in and there really was this strong connection to her and it and it kind of never ended. So fast forward, you know, we we actually got engaged and married pretty quickly and then had three kids quickly after that. But what was always important to us was being able to be in our faith. And wanting to be able to, not to do it to be showy, you, mm-hmm. you mentioned the station, Stations of the Cross and, you know, part of the reality around that, that you didn't know the backstory is we had walked into the church and the priest goes, hey, can you guys do this for us? It wasn't one of those <laughs> things. Where we, exactly, it's not one of those things where we like signed up for an advance oh, okay. saying we want to do this. Um, but be, because it's so important to us and we're very involved in our parish, we, you know, we kind of figured why not. Mm-hmm. And I think to the point that you're kind of getting to and what, you know, we can continue to talk about is being being together, doing something that is so meaningful to you. And, you know, you, arguably you could say, well, golf is important to me. We do that together. Mm-hmm. But the faith component of our marriage and really just our family unit is what we wanted to continue to do mm-hmm. as we became you know more involved in our church Um, which was then part of our school environment. And conscious and and unconsciously making those decisions to do it uh, together and to be involved. Mm -hmm. So that's just one of those kind of happy accidents that were still really important to us. And I do think it roots back to 
our upbringings where both of our families were very involved yeah. in the parish and continued to, yeah. to grow their faith that way. So when she, when she, and I think I knew this story, but I, I, I think I forgot it. So when she, she, she was the, after like meeting twice before, and now finally you guys are going to try to, you know, get to know each other. And, and so the first date is basically at church. So Jesus <laughs> is the Yenta here. And like, so when she asked that, where were you, just as an individual, okay? Like, I mean, you must not have been put off by it. Like, okay, this is kind of weird. Like, why would I go to church? But so was it Was it already something that you were individually, you know, kind of like, kind of fostering into it? So it, it was like, okay, or, and, and then I guess what I, what I, what I love about it is, is so that's, that's sort of the first date. Um, that must have told you something off the bat. You know, like, okay, this is, this has a pretty good shot of maybe working. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be honest with you, cause I had just moved to Minnesota and candidly, I still was very deep, deeply faith oriented, but I wasn't really good about going to church, you mm-hmm. know, with air quotes. So having met her at this time of transition, you know, in my life, having recently moved to Minnesota starting a new job in Minnesota, expanding my network, and then having mm-hmm. met somebody who I had met previously in life two other times just made it it made it easier. So when she said, well, I go to this church and I sing there, and then I said, well, I'm going to come. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it really was one of those epiphany moments where I, I believe mm-hmm. that the Holy Spirit was moving me at that time. Yeah. And then, you know, every time... I'd go back because we we would never sit next to each other, you know, at mass because she was singing. I'm in the pew, and even to this day, she canters at our current uh, parish, and I'm, you know, the the dutiful spouse sitting in the pew, you know, <laughs> gazing at her and mm-hmm. falling in love with her all over again <clears throat> as yeah, she, you know, great. brings prayer to you know through her voice. So, um, it is really moving for me, and I, you know, I, I get pretty choked up talking about it because whether she sings at a wedding, a funeral, at mass, even just hearing her around the house, mm-hmm. it's that constant reminder that prayer yeah. is so it can be so intimate, but it's also so powerful. Yeah. <clears throat> well, not to timestamp this too much, but just <laughs> coincidentally, <clears throat> a couple of days ago, I think it was the uh, might have been the first the first reading at mass, and it was the from Joshua. Where it's yes, for me and my house, we will, we will praise the Lord. And so, what's so cool is from the get go, you were basically made that covenant to each other, and and so then and then so then as I mentioned in your intro, you've got these great kids. Um, one thing that that does make us uh, we're so alike in so many ways, except for like with our kids, you, uh, we've got all girls, you've got a little mix, boys and girls. The family is the first church, okay. What was it like? Uh, was there any difference in raising boys versus girl uh, <laughs> in in the faith? You know, did you see uh, different types of receptivity? I mean, stereotypically, you know, they say, "Oh, boys are harder to break through." But what was it like managing the the, the genders uh, with uh, with such a strong um, faith uh, house? Yeah, I actually don't think I would gender stereotype. I do think so much of faith is individual and as much as we would out, outwardly and even practice you know at home what it meant to us and we're not holy rollers and we're not like you know singing the gospel every day mm-hmm. but we knew that it was part of our value system and we wanted it to be a part of our children's upbringing so i would say and without 
again, saying that there's gender stereotype, that it's more about who they were as a person and how they evolved and continue to evolve that you see their receptivity to whether how faith is a part of who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one thing I'll talk about maybe later about it is so individual that you hate to label it one way or another. Mm-hmm. You know, we did put our kids through Catholic school. So there was an aspect of faith and religion that was kind of baked into their everyday and certainly part of the community in which, you know, we raised them and mm-hmm. we continued to, you know, make friends and socialize and be involved. So I think seeing that, it it kind of got to who they wanted to be. Um, you know, I think like a lot of parents who are raising kids in this day and age, um, similar to even me when I was in that age, mm-hmm. you do tend to drift and you 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 try to find your way through it all. Uh, so th- I think they all have the right foundation in place. I think part of it's going to be how do they mature in that over the course of their continued development. Yeah, yeah, so true. So speaking of speaking of your own your own kind of upbringing, how how similar or different is the house that your kids grew up in to the house you grew up in? On many respects, it's similar. So I grew up in a a very traditional house Mm. you know i had one brother a year and a day older than me um uh parents who were that pretty typical you know dad worked mom stayed at home for most of uh, Mm -hmm. our our lives and my parents were deeply deeply involved in our church and i say that not because they were overly you know bible beaters and stuff like that but they knew that religion and faith was a part of who they were yeah and they wanted to continue that. Both parents were actively involved in the parish. You know, my dad was on the parish council. He was also on the diocesan parish council. Um, so, you know, visibly involved and then, you know, behind the scenes, very involved. Mm-hmm. And I would say my wife's family was very similar to that. Her parents were very involved. They they did go to a you know Catholic school their entire um, lives for the most part. So they had an even deeper connection to kind of bringing faith and religion into their daily life. Mm -hmm. And so that's where we, my, my brother and I did go to a Catholic high school. We didn't Mm -hmm. go to Catholic grade school, but, um, having those, that foundation from both my wife and I, it became kind of a pretty easy kind of, that's how, you know, we were raised, not because we were how that's how we were raised. We did it. Every kid had their option of saying yeah. they didn't need to go to that school. They could go to a public school. Yeah. But um, once they got to high school, each of the three chose the high mm-hmm. school they wanted to go to. We didn't say you must go yeah. to this high school. Yeah, well, that's great that that, yeah. that that choice. What about what about um, role models for you growing up? I mean, if you you know, it sounds like your folks were both really involved, but especially you know for this <clears throat> for this little brand of our podcast mm-hmm. when we talk about guys, were there any men? Um, in your life that that you remember being f- uh, particularly influential? I mean, it sounds like you guys are really active in the church, so it could have been, you know, clergy, or were there, you know, coaches or teachers that, that strike you as, as, as men who were particularly kind of, like, influential? Yeah, other than my dad, you know, who was on in many respects, but he was he he was very introverted, which yeah. people say, "How could you have an introverted totally dad?" Totally right. Who you are. <laughs> um, but that's another. Yeah, I joke about that too. I, I'm another... pretty sure I, I I might be adopted. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but 
but I, you know, like I mentioned, I went to a Catholic high school, and I, I actually went to a Catholic seminary. Oh, that was that also a boarding school. Wow. So at fourteen. Um, so my brother was a year older. He went first. And again, this was our choice. Our parents didn't say, you must go. Um, and granted, the the school was close to the city we live, so it wasn't like they were shipping us off to one of the coasts. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that many of the influences, both from a faith standpoint and from, you talk about character and honor, were the priests mm-hmm. that were part of our our school. And I think different than the way most people see their pastor or the priest at their church where they see him just on Sunday, mm. we got to see the good, bad, and the ugly. Mm. And so you kind of saw them as people as much as you saw them as these men of faith. Mm-hmm. And because of that, you know, at the ripe old age of 14, when you're kind of introduced <laughs> to this, you're thinking, wow, you, you, you never thought your your priest you know had a temper or you know so there it was just a lot of eye-opening experiences for me but i say i mean and and i i mean this to say it was like 20 of them so it wasn't like two so you could kind of say here are the ones i really admire here are the ones i don't want to emulate but i would say one of the two most defining ones was i did work at a summer camp for four years and one of the priests it was a diocesan camp and one of the priests that was the director of that camp actually became a very good friend of mine. And he, he again, the, the divine intervention to how you meet people and then how they become such a critical part of your development and your maturation, both from a faith standpoint and just growing up as a man, yeah. it was this individual, this priest who he, he just connects with people in such a unique way. You know, men, women, children, elderly, young, you, you, yeah. it didn't matter. Yeah. And he was one of the most kind of critical, um, defining people, Yeah, you know. And, and we still stay in touch today. Mm-hmm. Granted, not as frequently, but he knows that he's had that impact yeah. on me and many others. Well, I think so, because just how you're describing him, that's how 10 out of 10 people would describe you. So that he obviously did make an impression for sure, for Thank sure, you. for sure. All right. So it, it's crazy how fast time goes. And so listeners, just so you all know, um, we're recording this in the luxurious Mana studios here in the basement. And um, and Mark brought a bottle of wine. So uh, the only thing standing in between us reconnecting a little bit deeper over some... Uh, some red is uh, is our fun segment. So all let's right. get to our fun segment. Fire so up. the fun segment, same three questions of all guests. They've had plenty of time to prepare, and I know because you are uh, you are you honor the assignments, uh, Mark Sullivan. I know you've got you're chock full of of fantastic answers to these very hard hitting Mike Wallace ish types of questions. So fun segment question number one: If Jesus. And listeners, I just have to give Mark a little bit of grief. He's actually holding three by five note cards right now, and he put his readers on. He did. He's old. His eyes are not quite as young as they used to be. I wish this was a. uh, I wish this was a vlog right now. All right. Next Uh, time. Fun segment question number one: If Jesus knocked on your door tomorrow and just wanted to hang out for the day, what are you doing with Jesus? So, admittedly having listened to a number of these episodes you've had, it's hard to top. Mm. And I'm not looking at it as a competition, but, you know, we're we've, all guys. We've had some we're ringer, guys. We've had some ringer qu- or answers, yes. But have. they're, I mean, they're 
very well articulated. So um, I don't know if anybody said this, but because I haven't listened to every single one, to be honest. But as soon as I opened the door, I would either go, oh, my gosh, you look just like your picture. (laughs) Or I would say, oh, my gosh, you look nothing like your picture. And, you know, for the most, quote unquote, photographed man in Mm -hmm. history. Sure you kind of want to be like, oh my God, that's what you look like, you know? So, so that's the first thing I would say. Mm -hmm. And then I think, and nobody said that. Okay. So, you know, that's not been a response. Think of all the pictures that are out there. And granted, some of them kind of take on the same ilk, but I'm sure there are lots of others that we just have Mm -hmm. no, and nobody knows. Nobody knows. Um, But what I, what I admired about some of what other people would say is they would bring their, their community together. And, you know, if I could, you know, fast forward the technology of star trek and teleport you know anybody and everyone that i could i would do that too Mm -hmm. and then the other thing that i would um i would love to host is something similar to what you're doing here it's like a kind of q a session with him and i and i and i will be honest and this may sound a little bit irreverent but one of the things that i would ask him is so did you and Mary Magdalene have a thing? Because, <laughs> you know, I love the Da Vinci Code and that whole thing. Let's, you're kind of going, let's clear this up. Dang. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. anyway, that that's one of the hard hitting questions I uh-huh. put upon him. All right. I like it. All right. Well, it's safe to say nobody has had that answer. You have, right, you have well. laid claim to that answer right there. That is yours. That is a Mark Sullivan TM uh, circle, circle R or whatever that All is. Right. All right. Fun segment question number two. Uh, if you could go to church with any other guy, living or dead, famous or not, you can know him, not, you can teleport him, you can do whatever you want, or he can just be right down the road from you, but it, uh, you just, you're going to church and it's going to be with another guy. Who are you going to church with? So I'm going to break the rule huh. because I couldn't think of one guy, <laughs> one guy, but when I thought long and hard about it, um, I picked my dad and part of the reason is he's been gone for almost 18 years. Mm. And so I feel like, you know, I knew him as a kid, but I didn't really get to know him as much as I wanted to as an adult. The other person I would invite is my brother, because it's just us three guys, Mm. you know, that we're in this family together. And my brother is an amazing man of faith. And so I talk about my dad being kind of more of that introverted, faith-filled man. My brother is much more of the extroverted. He um, he kind of does a podcast kind of thing, and he's much more visible with his outward faith. Mm. And then I would invite my two boys because I want three generations of men. Mm. And, I, and I do think they, they were gypped from getting to know my dad because they were barely three and not even one yeah. when he died. So part of it is just so they could see and kind of experience together, you know, a mass. Mm-hmm. Um, with all of us. And then I, I kind of threw out kind of a wild card here that I would have Pope John Paul II do the mass. Nice. And there's a backstory to that. And we can talk about that over wine. And then if you want to bring it in as a secondary <laughs> a conversation, little, yeah, we can do that. A coda. That's yeah. great. Well, yeah. that is, uh, I, I love that. And that, yeah, that is a, that's the best reason to break the rule right there. Uh, okay. <laughs> so noted. Um, uh, noted. That was fantastic. All right. Last question. Um, if you could give one piece of advice to a younger man uh, about, you know, basically kind of turning out like you did, you know, just being a, a, a confident, um, uh, honorable, uh, reverent man of faith. What would be that advice that you give a younger man? I would first, and I do say this, my wife and I mentor 
um, couples to be married. And a lot of it is about their role in the marriage. Um, and I, and I say this to the guys that there, there really isn't no right or wrong way to express your faith. But one thing we talk a lot about is the power of prayer and, Mm. you know, prayer does not mean you're reading the Bible every day and you're out there, you know, pontificating it. It's a very private, it can be very private. It can be very public depending on how you want to express yourself, but there is no right or wrong way of doing it. And then something that you and I talked about before we went live here was, I don't think there's a right or wrong religion in order to express your faith. And so, you know, at where I am in this ripe oldish age, <laughs> I'm still learning. And mm-hmm. I feel like my counsel to, you know, these younger people is, you know, just continue to experiment, you know, bring prayer into your life in any way, shape or form, mm-hmm. whether it's you're in the car, say a few Hail Marys, or you're praying before a meal, or you're waking up in the morning, you know, you know, in Thanksgiving for mm-hmm. the fact that you're breathing another day. Mm-hmm. So I, that's kind of my counsel. And, and and again, we say this not just obviously to my sons, but even to our daughter who, you know, sometimes they can get lost. And, mm. you know, having that little bit of faith and prayer mm. can get you a long way. Yeah. Well, and I love that too. And it's about, it's it's not about getting it right. It's just about keeping, it's like you can't, it's like the, uh, you know, you, you miss all the shots you don't take. Right. So just keep taking shots, you know, right. just keep getting up there. So, And sometimes I think it's hard because they think it, they're going to do it wrong. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you, you're not going to do it wrong. Yeah. And that's where my brother has taught me a lot. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Mark Sullivan, uh, thank you so much for being here. You are a, um, um, uh, as I mentioned in the intro, you are, you are a, a man of honor and a man who honors and just a, just a great, great friend. Well, and thank I'm you. Just, I'm humbled yeah. to have been here. So thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for listening to MANA. If you have any questions or recommendations for future guests, send them to manapodcast at gmail.com.